God is so good. Because when you use your, te- your phone for your Bible, you get messages. Someone asking me for a thousand pounds. And next one comes, sorry, that wasn't meant for me. <laughs> thank, good, thank goodness for that. <laughs> so someone needs a thousand pounds. They're not getting it from me this morning. <laughs> then you hate that when you send a, send a text to somebody. Oh, my gosh, that shouldn't have gone to that person. So best not to send a text. Just ring, ring someone up and have a conversation with them. Talk properly. As I say, Christmas is, is a period and a season when there is just so much we want to be able to say. But there's so much else going on. We, we, I believe we miss so much of Christmas. We miss so much of the Christmas story and what that means to, to believers because we just get so consumed by so, much other, so many other things that are after our time, after our energy. And I sometimes think if we, if we miss them, we, we, we lose out on so much of what God wants, what God wants to speak to us. And uh, as I say, Christians, as, as Christians, uh, sometimes you find there's more non-church people come to church at Christmas and church people go to church at Christmas. I just want to talk this morning and try and bring a couple of things in, a couple of things together because one of the reasons we miss Christmas is because this, there's a character that I've become aware of more so this Christmas through what I've looked at, what I've studied, what I've, what I've read, and his name's Herod. And we, and we don't celebrate Herod, but I think it's important sometimes that we remember Herod for what he did and what he tried to do because there's still a Herod trying to rip the Christmas out of the believer. And I haven't got time to go into everything. I just want to try to bring a couple of things together this morning that may just help us in our, in our walk with God and getting a handle on how God wants to use us. As, believe, as believers, and I wanted to, if it's a, it's a title, I don't know whether I've got a title there, but, you know, standing in his presence. Sometimes because we fail to stand in the presence of God, we miss what God wants to reveal to us in some of the scenes that are so much so powerful for us and for, and for the church. Um, How how do you really meditate on something fresh at Christmas? Or do we just, as Christians, we know the story, and it's it's so important to us, and we love it, and we recognize, and we have revelation of it, that we sometimes bypass it so quickly that we don't pull out all 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 that God wants to say and do to us, to do through us. And it's almost like it's only at Christmas we get the opportunity or we feel it's the right time to talk about and preach about 
meditate on, study some of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 31, very familiar scripture that we read at Christmas. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he, you shall call his name Jesus. See, the miracle of Christmas should, I believe, change us. Yet all too often, instead of the miracle of Christmas changing us, we change the miracle of Christmas to become convenient for us to fit into the very busy schedule that we end up committing ourselves to when it comes to Christmas time. And Christmas is a very busy season of the year for, for everybody. You know, whatever you're doing, whether you're, you know, in, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, Christmas is busy. We, we've made Christmas busy. Jesus made, made Christmas a very busy time for believers. And he expects us to get so much into it. Help us, Jesus. You know, if you, take, if you take a look at how Christmas started, there'd been this long period of no movement from God. No move of God. You know, there's, there's times, if you remember back in um, when, when, when the prophet Samuel, who called out David, who was, if you go back in the genealogy of Joseph, was an ancestor of David. Of, of Jesus, and Joseph and David, Jesus, the son of David. He, his, he was called at a time when there, the Bible says the word of God was rare in those days. There had been no great revelation. And so God comes and brings fresh revelation. He does, there's, a, there's a move of God. And then this period when Jesus is born, there's this huge amount of angelic activity. God is moving, and I'll tell you, we have seasons in church, we have seasons in our lives when we experience a move of God, because God is wanting to do something in us so He can do something through us. See, we, we are, we are the, the Jesus on earth right now, and He wants to do something in us, He wants to change us, challenge us, you know, bring us up to, to, up to speed, if you like. And there's this great sense of sense, this, this whole load of angelic activity when Jesus was born. And if we read in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, There were, was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest by the name of Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So it says, In, in the days of Herod, the king, Herod the king was very prevalent. Herod the king had a grip. And of course, he didn't want to lose his grip. The, 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 way, the way Herod operated was, it was, it was acts of terrorism. And so in the days, Herod was the devil. God was moving. So it's like church, look out. Look out. So there's this great swathe, if you like, of angelic activity in the days of Herod the king. See, where there is a move of God, there is a move of evil and its consequences. You know, John chapter 10 and verse 10, we know that scripture very well. For the thief's purpose 
is to come kill, steal, and destroy. Or the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's use the King James translation at Christmas time. But Jesus said, I have come. When did Jesus come at Christmas? That you may have life and have it in all its fullness. Another place says, Jesus came that he may destroy the works of the enemy. So there's this, where there's a move of God, there's always a move of evil. And so just look at this couple, and we, we looked at, maybe we backed up a little bit in this, Advent, uh, in this Advent season. But how can you fit it all in, in just one Sunday? <laughs> Help us. That's why you need to do it at home <laughs> as well. Gee, God singles out this couple, this, this couple, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, who were an elderly couple, said they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of his priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He'd had the email, be sure to be there. You're on team that Sunday or that day. He was a volunteer. He was, he was, and he was an old man. He'd been doing this for generations, for, 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 for decades. And he was serving in the house of God. So then the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. See, here we have this godly couple who love God. He's serving in the house of God. He's serving and he's doing what he should do. He's doing the right thing. And God singles them out. Because he, wants to, he needs to use them and he's having to bring about his plan and see his plan come to fruition. Now, although they love God and God, of course, loved them, their one prayer had not been answered. She was, she was barren. They'd been praying for decades for a child. They didn't, they didn't have the sort of treatments that maybe people would, would use today uh, to, to, to just try and make this thing happen. And so their prayer, they've been praying to God that they would receive a child, that they would have a child. But they've almost got to the point now where, where there was no hope. But even though there was no hope, he was still faithful to God. Even though it seemed like God hadn't done the right thing for them, they still did the right thing for God. Sometimes when, when God doesn't answer our prayers, we back off a little bit and say, well, it doesn't work. That didn't work. I heard someone say once, well, I tried tithing once. And it didn't work. Well, what's there to work about tithing? <laughs> they were expecting bucket loads of cash to come in through the, ne through the letterbox the next day. So they, <laughs> they didn't do it anymore. Well, maybe they do it now. I don't know. See, it's almost like God was keeping something from them in the natural and allowing it to die so to bring a miracle to be a testimony. 
Because we know the story, don't we? We weren't, we, you know, they were, they were, he was just doing the right thing, not knowing what God was about to do. We know, of course, that she became pregnant and that then became a testimony for Mary who was told she would receive a child, not even knowing a man. And so he was keeping something from them in the natural, allowing it to die so he could bring, to bring a miracle. You know, what a testimony that is to do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season God will, you shall reap if you do not, do not lose heart. See, they had every opportunity to lose heart. They had every opportunity to be soul-searching and lose heart and losing their trust in God. But he was still being faithful in what God had called him to do. Because in verse 13, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. That was a surprise for him. You will call, his, call him a name by, by a name by which no, ever, no member in your family has ever had. Somehow you're going to break tradition and get it past your relatives. Come home. <laughs> and now, you know, in, 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 in my Bible, when I've always, I've always studied this and looked at this, and I've always just really glanced past Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1, where, you know, God then closes his mouth, causes him not to speak. And, I've, and, I've, and I made, I've made a note here, however many years ago I made this note in my Bible, I, I've, put it, I've written down here under this section, I said, God's silence is unbelief. God's silence is unbelief because he knows the power of the spoken word of unbelief. But I, I believe now, in looking at this afresh, that I believe God wanted to do more than just silence his unbelief. He wanted to do something within Zechariah that would totally change him. That would totally change him. See, in, in, I believe God, I, I wish God could shut more mouths. Hello. I, I wish God could just silence more people, more of us could silence us more, physically silence us, physically shut us up so we could maybe meditate more on his word and he could do something new within us. See, we are so full of our own opinions. We are so full of our own thoughts. We can become full of our, so full of our own traditions. It's like God wanted to shut him up because he wanted to soften something in him and get something out of him so he could do something new through him. So in order for God to do something new, Zechariah had to be someone different. You know, I believe God still wants to change us as we go through life. There's no such thing, if you like, as maturity. We are coming to maturity. Now, sometimes people, we think we're so mature, we've got so much to say, and yet we've got nothing to say. Until God has worked something in us and got something out of us. And sometimes it takes God to silence us. 
Because what he has to do in us is so much greater than what we think he has to do. But, but Zechariah, he had to know this was God. Because how do, you, how do you listen to this angel? And we know this angel was Gabriel. Gabriel only gets three mentions in the Bible. He gets one mention in Daniel when he addresses Daniel. He gets another mention here when he addresses Zechariah. He gets another mention when he addresses Mary. God is wanting to bring something, so he sends Gabriel. And so um, Zechariah says, well, who, you know, what is this all about? You know, how do I know this is you? How do I know it? And then the angel answered him in Luke chapter 1 and verse 19. He said, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. Who? Wow. I have come direct from the presence of God to bring you this word. Church, we need more people who know how to stand in the presence of God. Who know how to stand in the presence of God. Not just stand up, but I tell you, we do need to stand up, I believe, in the presence of God. You know, we become so familiar with the presence of God, we don't give it its respect. So we don't give it its respect, we don't receive what it has for us. It says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of who I am who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I'll tell you the church, we as believers, we, we need the church, we need more people who know how to stand in the presence of God. And there are there are hosts of reasons why we need to know how to stand in the presence of God. But one of the reasons we need need need, need to know how to stand in the presence of God is because of the Herods. Because of the Herods who want to take out the God in us. Who want to destroy the God in us. See, the Holy Spirit spoke to Joseph, warning him of God's intention to kill the newborn Jesus. So I believe not only did not only did God do something in Zechariah, he did something in Joseph. Because we know that when Zechariah came out of that time, when John was born, uh, we haven't really a huge amount of time to go to go all the, go all this way because. When, when, when John the Baptist was born, okay, verse 59, so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zachariah, because you have to do things by tradition. You have to do things the way they've always been done. You have to do things the way that everybody's going to be happy about. How many of you had children and, and, your, and your grandparents? I, we had a child. <laughs> well, <laughs> and my grandmother. Was it my grandmother? Did she say something like, I'm not calling her that? My yeah, my mom. <laughs> she said, that, uh, she did somebody, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been. Oh, okay. It's like, there's a name. Well, I'm not, I don't, she didn't like that name. Well, what's it got to do with you? 
<laughs> you know, I'm showing respect and all that. But you see, he said, yeah, and, you know, so, and they would have called him by his father's name, Zachariah, or Zacharias, as some people would say. But his mother answered, we all need a good mother, and said, no, it's capital N, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made a sign to his father what he would have him called. Because, of course, he couldn't speak. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying his name is John. This is Zachariah, who should have been been the one who was going to pass his name on. But God had been doing something in Zachariah. He'd been softening his heart. He'd been been preparing him to making something new in him. So when Zachariah came out of that period of not being able to speak, people in his family, people around said, what in the world has happened to you? You are not the Zachariah of 10 months ago. You're a new man. God is looking for new men and new women of God to carry his presence and standing his presence and receive revelation and understanding and wisdom and speak to the church and to the world. And so they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt among them. And all these sayings were discussed through all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? What kind of child will this be? Who's got a name that has nothing to do with his family? But his name is John. What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. God had done something in him. He shut him up enough. He allowed, to, allowed all that stuff from his past, all that stuff from his traditions, and all that stuff from his culture to be filtered out of him. And he filtered who he was now through the word of God's. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This was before the Holy Spirit had come on there. Pentecost this is pre-Pentecost. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, saying, what did he prophesy? Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And it goes on and that. And it speaks about the coming Jesus. Tell your church, God is looking for people who will carry the prophetic word to a nation, to a world, to, a, to your families. Hallelujah. But it comes through God has worked with, through people who God works, work, has worked in, who have allowed him to work in us. You know, Zechariah, if he'd have been able to talk, he'd have talked his way out of it. If he'd have been able to talk, he'd have, he'd have talked that name John out of his wife. John may have been allowed to be some middle name, you know, or a hyphenated or something like that, you know. <laughs> and of course, then the Holy Spirit spoke to Joseph. Spoke to him in a dream after Jesus was born and warned him of Herod's plan to kill 
every firstborn child. Why? Because he wanted to get the God out of Christmas. He has a plan to kill, steal, and destroy. Church, don't ever underestimate the intention of the devil to take the God out of you. See, God has a plan and a purpose. And God had a plan for you. Could say, you could, some people say, well, it was God's plan that Jesus was going to be born, so he, was, he could just stay wherever he wanted. God is just going to make it happen. It's not going to be a problem. Church is a real Herod in this world. There's a real enemy prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. Don't underestimate the intention of the devil to take the God out of you. See, even though God has a plan and God has a purpose for his plan to come to fruition, Mary and Joseph had to be, or Joseph had to be able to hear from God clearly enough to do and to be obedient to the word of God and take the fragile and the vulnerable word and run for their lives. Get on the donkey. And get out of town. It's amazing. And you think that because it was God's plan and because it was God's purpose, that it would just happen. Come on, sometimes we as Christians, we expect something just to happen without us being able to hear from God and doing the right thing. And we allow all this stuff to come and take the, and just take the Christ out of Christmas and take the meaning of it and take the purpose of it and take the revelation of it out from within us. And rob us of what God wants to do. Church, you see, there is a threat to Christmas. I'm not just talking about the season and the stuff that goes on and all that, but there is a threat to the Christ in us. Suzanne was mentioning in team, as we were just getting ready this morning in team, how in, in some, still in some parts of this world there are Herods destroying the word or trying to. Of course, they can't, but they will try. And, and, and it's, 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 the, it's, it's believers you know, throughout the ages that have given their lives. Church, don't tell me you don't need the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me you don't need the God in you to speak to you and to be able to prepare yourself, be ready yourself, and get in that place where you can shut everything out and be silenced from all the garbage that you've got within you so you can't hear from God. We need to be able to hear from God. Even at Christmas time, it's one of those times when we get bombarded with more of what, of what will fuzz our, our, our hearing of, of Christmas. See, the calling you carry needs protection. The prophetic word which, which Zechariah brought forth when he comes out and able to speak needs protection. It needs guarding. It needs watching over for it to perform. So the calling you need, you, the calling you carry needs protection. We all carry a calling. It needs protecting. The God in you needs protecting. 
And yet so often we treat it with contempt. Because, you know, we live in a Western society. We live where everything's okay for us. We can get by. You know, it's not difficult in this life to get through your life on this earth without God. It's not difficult. You look around at your neighbors and people you work with, people in your, in your family maybe, and, and they'll say, you'll say, well, they're not even Christians. They're not even, they don't even believe in Christmas. Just, they celebrate it and they enjoy it and they go have all the trimmings of it. And it seems like sometimes like they're doing better than you. Do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season. You know, the Bible says of Zechariah, it says your prayer, God, this angel says to him, your prayer has been heard before God." Your prayer has been heard before God. You know, what did I say? Again, what I said. You know, it's like God will allow something in you, something in you to, 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 to almost get, will get, to get beyond the point of where it can take place naturally. So we can do something in you. So we can do something in you. Don't tell me you don't need the Holy Spirit. You know, let me just... No, don't, no, I'm not going to get a thousand pounds. What did I just put here? Tolkien warned this. It does not do to leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. Hello? Protect, protect. Herod was a dragon. Herod was a terrorist. In different forms, there was someone, there's, 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 there's the, the, the Herod is trying to take the God out of you. He's trying to destroy the God in you, destroy the word in you, taking that word. So what did Tolkien say? He warned, it does not do to leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. That, that just think about that just for a moment. We have to remember, Joseph had to remember, okay, there's a Herod. We can't stay in this stable. We can't stay around this place. Because words got out. The word has got out. <laughs> And so that terrorist Herod killed every innocent young child to try to be sure that he got the Jesus, got the word, and destroyed it. But the word is living. The, flesh, the word became flesh and was dwelling among us. So we need to carry, as believers, that prophetic word of, of, of Luke chapter 1 and verse 68. Bless the Lord our God of Israel, for he has visited and returned to his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since this world began. And he's speaking of the, of the Jesus, what, what, what the word was going to accomplish. Church, we have to carry that. We have to carry that. We have to carry it. And our church, I believe, is carried by those who know how to stand in the presence of the Lord. 
Because in the presence of the Lord, which we are all called to do now, it's not just Angel Gabriel, not just Gabriel who stand in the presence of God and go, but you say we're all called to stand in the presence and listen and, and, and wait until we hear from God and wait on God and, hear, and, and, and do and act what we hear from God. Sometimes as Christians, we don't spend enough time in the presence of God. We don't even, we're not prepared to give our time and stand in the presence of God. Sometimes we don't even respect the presence of God in His house. We become so accustomed to what we expect the presence of God to be and how we expect it to be. We don't give it its reverence. We choose not to stand in it. You know, when you, if you go to church at Christmas, to maybe a Christmas mass or Christmas service, that's outside maybe of the more charismatic environment, you will find there is more respect for the presence of God than there is by us who are so free. I, church, I believe we miss out on so much because we don't give attention to standing in the presence of God. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and he has sent me with a word. And I believe Zacharias was one of those who knew how to stand in the presence of God. And, 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 but even Zacharias, God wanted to do something new. He wanted to do something new in him, so he silenced him. And he did silence him, so he silenced his unbelief. And, and I've always joked about Zacharias, really, and been a bit, maybe a little bit irreverent towards him because I'm just, I was just thinking, well, you know, yes, yeah, God wants to silence unbelief. If, if, if every, every unbelieving believer was silenced, maybe the world would be a different place. Because <laughs> someone says, believers, we, don't, we won't shut up. With our opinions. Sometimes we won't shut up with our unbelief. But church, I believe God wanted to do more in Zechariah than just silence and unbelief. He wanted to do a new thing in him. And he came out. And I believe in that period when he was, when he was silenced and unable to speak, he stood in the presence of God and God was able to speak to him and God changed him and God shaped him. And when he comes out, he comes out a different person. And just out of the blue, he just says, well, who, he, Mary, his wife, Elizabeth, says he shall be called John. And Zacharias gets given the writing pad or the iPad or whatever, whatever he's going to use and the stone and whatever it says he was going to use. And he wrote on it. He says, his name is John. Said, no, his name is John. Whoa. Zacharias has changed. Church, what does God want to work in you this season? Allow God to work something in you. Imagine your silence like Zacharias was. Imagine you, some of your, your ideas, some of your opinions, some of our thoughts. Allow them to be silenced. Stand in His presence and say, God, do something in me. Work something through me.
Just like Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. On saying that, that's when the angel departed. I've done my bit. Let it be to me according to your word. I tell you, we as a church have experienced great presence of God. Church, we have to value that. Because God does that so because He wants to do something through us. But sometimes we try and analyze that, we try and capture that in a in a form. Church, allow God to do something through you in His presence. Allow Him to speak to you. Allow Him to shut some of the, the other garbage, if you like, other thought patterns, other opinions out. And allow Him to speak to you fresh this Christmas. Because in doing so, I believe it will enable us and empower us to guard the Christ in us. To guard the Word in us. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and all its fullness. And that fullness of life God wants us to carry. That fullness of life God wants us to proclaim. So Holy Spirit, just fill us afresh this Christmas. It may not be Pentecost, but it is Pentecost. Let's stand on our feet as we close out this one. But just for a moment, enjoy His presence. Physically stand and imagine you're gazing into His presence. We are called to worship Him. We are called to gaze on Him. We're called to receive from Him, allow Him to do something in us. Allow Him to do something new and new this day. Something fresh. Allow Him to change you. To equip you and to empower you. So we be a people like Zachariah who haven't been in your presence. We come through differently. We come through differently. There are people here this morning who have been praying for things and you haven't seen those things take place yet. You may not have got advanced in years, but your but your dream has, has got advanced. You need to know your prayers have been heard. God is doing a new thing. Your prayers have been heard. Just just worship in His presence just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you say, I need need to be changed. I I want God to change me. I want to surrender something fresh, something to Him today. Like Zachariah surrendered His voice. 
I'm going to surrender something this day to allow God to do something in me. I'm going to make room for Him. If that's you this morning, or maybe you witnessed to a prayer you've been praying for a long time, and you believe today is a day that's going to change. You say, I know that today God's heard it. He's attentive to it. Let's pray with you. So let's just worship God for a few moments before we leave this morning. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. He wants to pray with you about anything this time. Thank you.